Hi everybody, welcome back to another riveting episode of Drums in the Shed, Dave Walsh podcast. The, um, the archive of my drumming existence, that's the vibe. So um, you have to tolerate whatever nonsense or random irrelevant thing that's uh, kind of going on in my life at the moment and today it's the stick audit the drumstick audit what does that even mean in fact i actually said that um about 15 minutes ago to my long-suffering partner and i said i'm gonna do a drumstick audit to which her response was initially laughter, followed by what the F is a drumstick audit. Do you not know how many pairs of drumsticks you've got? And um, and there lies, the, there lies the problem that we all understand, don't we? Is that we never know how many pairs of drumsticks we have. We think we do. We have a kind of idea, but actually, in reality, it's normally quite a way off. Well, it is for me. I've just bought three new pairs of drumsticks. Nothing special there. I don't buy drumsticks very often. The last uh, time I bought drumsticks was... I bought three pairs... Um, Eighteen months ago, um, and I've just started using uh, the third pair. So they're now in my in my symbol case in where I have my sticks, um, and and then the other two pairs have been have been used. And I sort of retired. You know, I had this thing where I retired drumsticks to two places. Um, well, actually, to, th to three places, as, as we're about to find out. But, but as, as a working situation, shall we say. Well, there's kind of two situations. There's the, there's the drumsticks that we retire, in inverted commas, goodbye. They normally end up on our allotment as, um, as very, very nifty seed planting devices for um, specific types of seed, because they're a really nice little, you know, You've got the sort of the butt end, which is one sort of hole, and then the Peter Erskine original makes a, a different sort of hole with the other end. So they're quite useful for planting. Uh, not that I do any planting, but uh, again, they may end up my long-suffering partner ends up with them. And um, so I always, you know, sometimes I'm at the allotment and I, I'm like, ah, Peter Erskine original, crikey. And it looks quite sad because it's covered in soil and, you know, long since departed the world of drums um, which is quite a sad quite a sad thing if you think about it we kind of mourn we mourn our sticks don't we the sticks that we don't we, we do we don't break but anyway that's the so that's the third scenario no but the the generic retirement situation for um for my drumsticks from what i what i would sort of class as um as frontline active service is to a kind of second line active service one is they end up on my practice pad in front of me here and they they, they live in the shed and they're, they're the sticks that i kind of basically use on the pad and the other is they end up in my, my in my symbol case at, at, at college where i teach and um you know that's the um they just end up as teaching sticks so yeah so that's kind of that's what happens with um, with my sticks, you know. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting, interesting thing. Um, I'm just checking that this is this is actually recording um, at a level which is acceptable. So it looks a little bit like we're under um, under signal, but I think it's okay. I think it's all right. So. Um, so yeah, so this I bought so I bought three pairs of sticks about eighteen months ago. I'm just started to use the third pair. They've done I don't know three or four gigs or something, um, 
And I've always got this thing where I, I don't kind of, I don't want to use them. It's very sad. They're new sticks, and I go, oh, they just look so nice, you know. Just leave them alone. Let's let them sit there. And it's like, no, they've got a purpose, Dave. You know, they're a drumstick. They're supposed to be used for hitting the drums with. So, you know. And of course, they 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 do make a, a much nicer sound on the cymbals and all that. The new sticks. So, anyway, I was in the loft about two hours ago. Uh, doing some uh, drum, general drum uh, shenanigans, as they, as they say, trying to sort a few drum things out. And uh, I I found this little box. I basically have lost uh, one of my Yamaha Tom holders. I'm not sure it is. I was, do I was doing a gig last night, and I, I had this kind of thing where, um, in the end, it was fine. I used the four-piece, but... Before the gig, I mean, I don't know if this ever happens to you, um, but sometimes I have a kind of a moment of doubt where I'm thinking, oh, actually, do I need, do I need the five piece, you know? Am I going to go to this gig? And uh, I was playing, I did a gig last night, which was a new gig to me. Not, I hadn't played with the band before and... Uh, it was a nice, very nice gig, actually, and really nice people. And it, and it was a reading gig, and I took the gig originally because... Um, well, one, because the person offered to me... He offered to me because of a sort of personal circumstance thing that was going on for at the moment. He's, he's, he's uh, Him and his good lady wife were expecting the baby, and it was around this time, and he didn't want to be taking any work on. So he sort of said, would you do this gig for me? And this was, a, you know, five months, four or five months ago, you know. And they'd got this kind of window of the birth, and he said, you know, will you do this gig for me? It's a reading gig, and it's a nice gig, and it's blah, 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 and it's not too far away and all that. And I was not doing a great deal at the time. You know, it was back in sort of um, uh, July, August or something. Maybe um, yeah, it was it was quite a while ago, um, and I was just like, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, and and I do like I think I've said many times on this podcast, I do like to um, keep the old reading muscle flexed. You know, um, it you can't you just can't do it at home when you and just read charts or read whatever you know read ted read ted read haha <laughs> no pun intended or you know read stick control or read um you know some kind of snare drum attitudes or whatever or, or modern reading text lou belson you know i mean all those things are great for shape recognition but reading on a gig playing with other people and uh, responding to things in you know stuff that's going on is um is a whole different thing you know and uh because of the you know because of the circumstances of the last couple of years and and also my own personal circumstances to do with the sort of work and gigs that I've been doing you know recently uh, I've not been doing as many reading gigs so I always tend to if someone offers me a reading gig I, I have a good think about it you know I, it's one that I often consider for simply the, the reasons of it's a good read. You know, it'll be good for me. And, and last night was exactly that, you know. So so that was kind of, um, it was a it was a nice vibe. But I didn't, I'd never done the gig before and I'd watched a few clips just to see what the vibe of the band was, you know, just that sort of thing, what kind of music it was. And it was very straightforward, swingy stuff and rock and rolly things, whatever, you know, just um, stuff that I knew. But the, the, these, these things have always inevitably got the kind of, you know somebody's fingerprint on the uh, on the arrangement so there's always something to read even if you know the music which is what i like about that sort of thing you know if you know the tunes really well or you know whatever there's always some little twist or turn that somebody's put their personal touch into an arrangement otherwise why would one bother arranging it because you could just buy an arrangement you know but there's so many generic arrangements of these tunes anyway so um yeah so but the person playing the gig, the guy I was definitely for, I noticed, and then some other uh, things, they were all playing five-piece. And I was like, ah, do I need to take the five-piece, you know? Oh, no, do I need to take the five-piece? So I was, like, desperately looking around for... Because um, my Sonos got all the Yamaha fittings. It's all been a, it's all been swapped over to Yamaha fittings. And... Uh, and as I was going to mention in a bit, I'm in, the, I'm in the middle of the beginning of a huge DIY... Well, no, it's not It's not a DIY thing. It's um, 
it's a Richard Newby thing, but it's it's a it's a, a drum modification project which involves um, the cutting down of one drum, the saving of the wrap to put on another drum, which needs cutting down as well, which I've just bought, and then the transferring over of um, some other bits and bobs to another drum, and then drum spurs being put on all four of my bass drums um because at the moment I'm using these dw spurs that clamp onto the hoops and i don't like them i don't like them on gigs i don't i don't like the design of them i don't like the idea of something that has all that forward motion force that kind of pushing force you know because i really try and practice you know on my bass drum i really try and practice not pushing but when i'm gigging you know I'm inevitably there's going to be points where I'm going to be pushing and that's just a fact of life you know so um, I just don't have that great bass drum technique there's always an element of pushing against the bass drum using the bass drum as, a, as something to, to, to sort of push against as a, as a stabilizing force you know or just just playing with crap technique and pushing into the head you know for whatever reason playing you know enforcing it in a, in, a, in a way which it shouldn't really be forced but anyway blah 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 um, so I'm getting all four of my bass drums, um, and one of them is getting chopped down from a, tw a 16 by 20 to 16 by 12, and then the, the wraps coming off that and going on a little 10 inch tom that I've just bought, which needs cutting down. The 10 I bought this 10 by 10 tom, second hand thing, and uh, it's a phonic plus, so it's not the same shell and it's not the same thing, but it, it'll be fine because it'll I'll be chopping it down to 10 by eight or ten by seven perhaps um and then getting the wrap that's left with the eight inches of wrap which will be taken off the drums being cut will be put onto that onto that drum so i'll end up with all matching drums and then i'll end up with a useful 16 inch bass drum which is actually a nice size 16 by 12 um and uh and then yes proper spurs on all the bass drums and I'm going for these Gibraltar kind of um, these, yeah, single piece Gibraltar spurs. Really nice, really simple design, not too expensive, and you know ones that kind of wrap into the shell when you when you when you um, when you pack your drum away. You know, you don't they don't stick out and create like another two inches of bloody um, drum when you're trying to get them into your into your soft case. You know, into your hard into your hardware box. You know, uh, hard case or whatever. So. Yeah, um, all that's kind of going on. So anyway, I went into the loft because I couldn't find one of the top of the Yamaha Tom, um, the double stem and the two um, the two Tom holders for the double stem. I've got the very long one for the single. I've got a couple of those and they're sort of always to hand, but I have one here in the shed and I have one in my drum hardware bag. But then I've also got <clears throat> the... Um, the shorter ones, um, and I've I've got a I've got a quite interesting design with them. I've got one with a with a with a longer um, thing that goes into the tom, and I've got one with a shorter, so I can position the tom in, in different ways. It's quite interesting, but I couldn't find one of them, and um, and so I went back in the loft today because I had no time yesterday and decided to use a four piece, which was absolutely fine, and uh, and I I. I play a four-piece, and I prefer a four-piece. I'm, I'm better on a four-piece. Whenever I add, add anything to a drum kit, that's not what I normally play, especially in a situation like that where you're just reading, relentless reading. It's just like tune, 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 all sight reading, quite complex forms and blah, 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 trying to follow you know, an MD and things or whatever, and singers and other stuff that's going on. Like Adding things to a setup is really a stupid idea, you know, um, so yeah, I kind of always kind of err on the side of caution with with all that stuff. So by um, just by default, I ended up not taking, um, you know, not not taking the five piece because I couldn't find this tom stem. Went up in the loft again today because there was a box that has loads of drum sticks and my kind of hi-hat tambourine and stuff I don't really use very often uh, like big shaker stuff I, I use for Tom McRae and things which uh, I'm not used for, for a long time because we haven't we haven't played for many many years now maybe six six years um and and I thought oh it'll be in that box and it wasn't you know but in that box 
was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine pairs of drumsticks, Peter Erskine Originals, and one pair of, I don't know why I brought these actually, because these are, these, these are not part of the audit. Uh, some A55A, American Sound, Big Firth. A55A, they're really nice stick. I really like these sticks. I use these for practicing with, and I don't know why they were put away. They should be in here, because I also use, for practicing, the, these big Jeff Moore things, massive sticks. They're basically the same proportion as a Peter Erskine. They're, they're a bit of a genius thing. The A55A, is not quite the same proportion. It's a it's a, it's a ball tip. It's about twice the size of the Erskine tip, but it doesn't taper off as late. It tapers off earlier. So the end weight, the end weight is not quite the same. Um, but interestingly, the stick is a five A thickness not a 7a thickness you see so uh, i think that's what it is i don't understand anything about the number system on sticks by the way if anybody can enlighten me that would be great actually i don't bother i've been playing for 30 odd years and i've never shown any interest i think i generically um always head towards something that's based upon a 7a basically um because i'm a bit of a wimp probably you know Ain't, ain't no tough guy, as they say. So, um, but they, the A55A, anyway, those ones, they've got this ball tip. I bought them because I thought, oh, it looked like a slightly bigger Peter Erskine, and it, and it was very kind of similar in weight, but not quite as end heavy. Really nice for practicing with. Slightly thicker stick, slightly heavier. And then the Jeff Moores are like twice the size of them. And again, they're, they, they taper off slightly earlier, but have a big ball tip. Um, very similar dimensions, but the um, but one of the yeah the subjects of oh uh, the mic stand is drooping. Sorry about that. Just gonna have a little adjustment. Sorry, it might be some funny sounds going on on the recording. So basically, um, part of this this little this podcast today, as interesting as it's going to be, is I'm going to be talking to you about one of the little processes I do with drumsticks, and I tell my students to do this all the time because obviously students are always skint, and. You can bring a stick back, you know, to life for a bit. I think you can anyway. Some people don't agree with me, and that's fine, because um, we don't all have to agree. We all do our own thing anyway. But basically, the drumstick, or the tip of the drumstick, is the thing that mainly deteriorates first. Not always. I'm looking at a pair of... The retired sticks. I mean, the, all these sticks have been like, I purposely retired them and I got them all out because I was like, oh, there's loads of sticks here. And some of them look really quite good. So, and they look better than the ones I was currently using in the shed. So I was thinking, oh, actually, do I need to do a bit of a drumstick audit? Hey, there you go. So that was where the drumstick audit thing came from. And, and so basically the process is very simple. Um, I normally have a symbol set up actually, but I don't have space for it in this current configuration. Um, that's a bit of a shame actually, because it's sort of an important part of the vibe. But what basically what I do is I take glass paper, P240 is the one I've got here. Um, you can get a finer grit one. I, the, the, the P240 seems to work well. And so it's not the sandpaper, it's the glass paper. I mean, it's, it's all sandpaper in it, but it's it's called glass paper and it's basically um, finer grit. It's, it's um, and I think I've talked about this before anyway, but this is, this is this evening's job. So while I was kind of said to my partner, I'm going to do a drumstick audit, I thought I'm going to record a podcast at the same time. Kill two birds with one stone, as they say. So... Um, so yeah, so in front of me I've got like 14 pairs of sticks, which are all... So I mean, one of the main things, we, we well, they all need a bit of attention, and some do need to be permanently retired. They need to go into the greenhouse, which is what will happen. When I walk back down to the house after this, I walk past our... We have a greenhouse at home, we have a couple of greenhouses at the allotment, but I will basically stick these in the greenhouse, and they will end up 
by default being used to make holes in earth. So, but yeah, basically I take the tip with the stick and very gently, as you can maybe hear, I'll put it right next to the microphone. Don't know if you can hear this sound. Probably the rain's actually louder. But basically very gently turn the tip of the stick whilst holding the glass paper between, um, you know, sort of thumb and forefinger or um, thumb and middle finger. And just feel the um, just feel the glass paper taking off like whatever layer of detritus and and sort of basically wood that's no longer with us that's attached to the end of the stick because that's basically what's going on, isn't it? Is the wood gets the varnish gets played off and then and then the tip starts to get soft. And my view my view's always been. Um, underneath that soft wood is is harder wood. You know, it's, a, it's a fact. If it wasn't hard wood, it would just all fall to pieces. It would deteriorate very quickly. So the, the, the wood that's on the outside gets soft, but underneath it is um, is this is this wood that's definitely really you know solid. And I've just sanded a couple of these down, and they've really come back really nicely. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, and the other thing that it does is, as I just mentioned, so you get this thing where, um, especially if you're playing brushes a lot, well, I do when I'm playing brushes a lot. Let me let this, um, we're, losing, we're losing the mic again, the microphone stand droop. Um, so let me tighten this up a bit more. That's better. Oh, um, got on a long boom today, which is never good. Um, yeah, I always have this thing where if I'm playing a lot of brushes, I don't know if you find this, or a lot of cross stick, uh, the cross stick particularly, because if, you, if you've got you, you know, the back of the palm of your, you know, the palm of your hand on the side uh, resting against the head and you're playing and it's a little bit sweaty and, you know, blah, 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 the normal thing of gigging, you get a little bit of, you know, moisture and it's on the head and then, you know, there's an inevitable dead skin and dust which is dead skin and detritus which is dead skin and just dead skin really is is all collecting on the head of the drum and then if you're playing brushes that tends to sort of move that around all over the <laughs> all over the drum skin so you end up with this kind of um you know you end up with this kind of this kind of layer of detritus don't you and then i always find when i'm when i start playing with the sticks it all ends up on the end of the sticks so that in itself creates this um, this layer of softening of the sound because you know the end of the stick is um, is basically compromised by it's just got all this stuff stuck on it. Um, so the glass paper. There's kind of two, I've got sort of two layers of kind of aggression, really, I suppose. Um, like this this stick here, I'm looking at this stick, this has come out of the loft and it's been well, this this should have been retired to the greenhouse. The tip has got big, it's got some big slices and, and pitting in it and and it's and it's already been, I can see that I've already sanded it. Um, and it, it really doesn't have, there's not much left for this. There is still a bit of a tip there, and it will come back, but it's the, the, the it's becoming flatter and flatter, and and, I, and the, one of the reasons why I like the, the the Peter Erskine sticks for me is is the size of the tip and and what's what the contact point on the symbol is. That is that's kind of why I buy these sticks, and and the balance, the weight of them as well. That they're the, they're the sort of like the perfect stick for me. You know, they have everything that I need from a stick: end weight and small, precise tip which gives detailed sound, detailed tone. So I don't know why I'm wasting my time with this. So this is, this stick is really, you know, it's, uh, I mean, it's really, and this is the problem now, you see. And I'm just playing that really cold. I'm actually literally really cold because it's freezing up here and I've not got the heating on. But most of my hands are freezing, and I haven't played. 
and that's just that's my left hand and I was thinking actually that's that feels quite nice that you know I feel like I can you know I'm playing cold and I'm getting something out of it so is it dead this is the problem you see this is welcome to my world I just can't seem to um, you know it won't sound great on a cymbal though I can sort of tell that, but because uh, even when I've sanded it, I can see here there's lines. That it's yeah, and the tip is still the wood is it's gone past the point where yeah yeah the the sort of structural integrity is gone. So that's going on the floor. Uh, that's going in the greenhouse. Okay, these ones look quite nice. These look actually. Why are these? Why are these even? I don't even know why these are even in that box. What sometimes happens is when I buy new sticks, I'll just take, um, I'll just take any any out of service, active service, I mean, that that have been in for a while, you know, just to kind of move the new sticks in, uh, and I'll have an opportunity to. To kind of um, for them to you know get start getting played because of my sort of OCD you know I'll just it'll never happen um, so I can know, I know what's going to happen with these three pairs I've just bought um, I'm, they're not going to get played for they're not going to see the light of day for at least six months you know um, so I just need to store them somewhere flat not. Make sure they don't warp, because that's the problem with drumsticks these days. And I've, you know, a lot of students at college have had these problems with the drumsticks. They're not straight. The banana sticks it seems to be a bit of a problem with, you know, all brands of sticks. Actually, I don't know whether that's been your experience, but you roll them on a, on a flat surface, and that's one of the things that I do as well, which I'm not actually doing now, but I will do. Um, is I just put them on this table here, the table I've got my computer on it is is flat and um, I can see immediately whether a stick is you know warped and that one looks okay so that's the yes yeah, the other thing to watch out for I, I mean when I'm playing with them I can feel immediately especially if I'm playing a different type of stick that's not mine you know one that I don't particularly like and always feel where they're not straight you know I'm always when I'm at college I'm always it's such a sad I'm always like playing with the student sticks and I go oh you, no, I think your stick's not straight and then it's like roll it on the top of the piano and it's it's like a banana you know um, they're all right that pair so they've yeah just clean them up they had um, a little bit of the detritus and a little bit of um, just need a little bit of the outer wood taken off but they're actually in pretty good condition uh, yeah so the other thing that happens is obviously rim shots and um, whacking um, hitting symbols and then just that thing of catching a symbol just not quite right you know um, and then you have that that sort of early 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 injury on, on a stick and, and the Peter Erskins do suffer from this sometimes with the tip as well. They get like this kind of early split. So you play, you've been playing it and you've not been using a pair that long. And, um, and this is what sometimes happens for me when sometimes if I'm doing some very important recording or playing, I will, I will use new sticks. And especially if I'm recording, I tend to play by default louder because... Um, I'm sort of a bit old school in that thing of my, I, I believe that you should get good good uh, sound to, to tape in inverted commas not that we're recording to tape anymore but I kind of play in a way where you know uh, I'm not relying on the on the digital kind of shenanigans to to help me out I'm I'm I'm, I'm imagining that I'm playing to tape and that I'm, I'm trying to get a sound to tape because you're trying to almost you know you're just trying to get that kind of just that level of sound you know recorded these are not so great actually this one's all right uh the other one the other one is not so good so sometimes you get these pairs where one 
you know, they're all pitch paired, as you know, you know, I mean, well, the Vic Firths are. And I, and I have this arrangement with Daddario, and Daddario is Promark, and the Promarks seem very... The Promark had a really... They really upped their game a few years ago. They re, they retooled, re-sorted um, their tooling out. They had a real problem with their tooling, I believe, with the lathes and stuff, and they were... Um, when I became, like, a Daddario educator, I was chatting to their main guy in the UK, Mr Simon Turnbull, nice chap. And Simon was telling me that basically they discovered in their factory that their tooling was not sharp. Uh, and they had a real problem with, with basically consistency, quality of products and consistency, you know. And, um, and that's what they sorted out, Promark about, um, I'd say, 10 years ago now, maybe a bit less than that. I was, I knew Simon uh, when he worked for a company called Summerfield, which was pre-Dario UK. Dario UK didn't exist in 2010. Uh, and Simon put that company together. He, he, he you know, he opened a, he, he opened a big warehouse up in Newcastle and Dario UK was born. And I moved from, I was sort of an Evans in Dorsey with Summerfield at that time, and I've this Istanbul in Dorsey, and I moved over to Daddario um, when Simon got established. And um, and we had this long conversation about Promark because I, I was basically, I mean, I, I don't play Promarks because I don't, they don't make a stick that's... That's this. That's that's this stick. No, it's the only thing that I'd have to play this stick because it's my stick. You know, it's the design. Um, I mean, this is another reason why I try and keep sticks alive a long time. By the way, is because I have this paranoia that they're going to stop making them. And uh, I can keep a pair of sticks basically in service for between, depending on how busy I am, obviously, but and, and the sort of gigs I'm playing, it does make a massive difference. You know, if I'm playing a lot of jazz gigs, it's lighter, I can I can make a stick last four or five years. Um, if, I'm, if I'm playing heavier gigs, then the, the thing, like I said before, the thing that happens with the Erskines is the tip, the tip as I said, it gets a, an early injury, it's split. And, uh, and there we go. Very hard to bring it back from that. Because the thing with the Erskines is sometimes they, they, they split right down. Because they're basically, where the, where the, where the, the, the sort of uh, the grain of the wood is, they might just have been laved on a compromised point where the, the, the grain is it's very, very close to the, to the outer edge of the tip. It's all very nerdy stuff. But basically, it's very hard to come back from that because you lose a lot of wood in the tip. And uh, and then, you know, if you're losing the wood in the tip, you can't put it back, can you? Because it's gone forever once it's gone. And that's why, obviously, I use the glass paper, the very, very fine glass paper, because it um, it takes... Very, 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 very small. I mean, like dust, dust levels of 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 of, um, of wood off the tip. Whereas if you're using sandpaper, don't use sandpaper, basically, because it's sandpaper is coarse and it will just it will rip the wood to shreds. You know, that's also what it's just designed to do, isn't it? It's designed to remove material and make a smooth surface. This is, I mean, glass paper's finishing paper, isn't it? And obviously the stuff for automotive, if you get into painting cars and automotive sort of side of things, you're into all that stuff, which is the wet and dry stuff. Thousands, I think they call it. Eight hundreds and thousands and stuff. I've used it on, I years and years ago, we used to have a mechanic. We all used to use South Manchester musicians, a guy called Stuart, and he was great. He was super cheap. And I, because I'm really into cars, I used to just like... I'd have just followed him around all day, to be honest with you, and uh, learnt off him. But I had a problem with... Um, I had, on a car I owned, I had uh, a panel on the side that needed needed sort of painting, something like that. I can't remember what had happened, actually. 
Um, I think I might have replaced the panel and it just, it was a good panel, but it just needed this little bit of um, paint or something, I can't remember. <clears throat> but anyway, I kind of, Stuart kind of taught me what to do, you know, because he came and helped me do it, but he, he, I think he just wanted me to kind of learn to do it as well. He didn't charge me very much, but basically, what I need, it, we, we did it while he was servicing the car, so he came to do an old change and do some other stuff and spark plugs and bits and bobs and he said yeah get this wet and dry you go over that surface blah, 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 and then once you've got that then do this and do that and uh, i couldn't believe uh with you know using the water uh, the way in which it took how it took the paint off and and how fine it was and how delicate it all was and actually you know you really were and how many layers of paint there are, you know, obviously on a car, it's five, sort of four or five, after the primer or something. I don't really, I don't know really how, how they kind of paint cars from factory, but, you know, when you, I watch a lot of car videos when people are restoring cars and repainting cars, and they generally tend to talk about this kind of thing of, they do two or three layers of primer and then four or five layers of paint, you know, and that's why it's so expensive because it's a time-consuming thing. And most of the time-consuming thing is in the prep making sure that the surface is clean and the surface is flat and the surface has a good key. And uh, getting a good key is, again, it's this super fine vibe. But this is, yeah, P2, P240 for... Um, so I don't even know what the, what the numbers for, um, for sandpaper are. 80 or something like that. But... Uh, I actually thought this was a higher number. I thought this was more like 400s, but, um, but yeah. Anyway, I'm just, um, just got through about three or four pairs here, and then just bringing these tips back. And they're all quite good, these sticks. And some, you know, they're all different. And batches are different as well. These ones I bought the other day, they're a nice, nice batch not over varnished as people know who've listened to this podcast before and or know me i can't stand an over varnished stick it's a real problem you know when they manufacture them and they over varnish them it's like a nightmare you know because it ain't good for the grip is it because you just want to be holding Something that's as close to nice, slightly grippy wood in the hand, you know. And these are all great, these sticks. I don't know what, they has got a lot of detritus on the end of this one. So this is the sort of thing where you, you really do lose definition of sound, especially on the sort of cymbals that I like to play. Um, you definitely lose some definition. So... Yeah, just getting rid of this, it's, it is, it's basically brushes detritus from the snare skin. Um, so yeah, that was, I mean, they, they, so this by default, the subject of this podcast, you know, today was um, uh, drum drumstick audit, which is a very strange thing. But, you know, if you've never done a drumstick audit, you might want to do it. I have. I have loads of sticks standing around. I've got all sorts of different sticks. I've got loads of other pairs of sticks. I got given loads by Daddario. Um, and uh, I just don't use any of them because I don't play with those sticks. And they do this thing of, they do this thing called f uh, forward and, um, I can't remember what it is now. This is how out of touch I am. But they, they, they do a balanced or a forward. So it's called, it's called rebound and, and um, forward balance or something so i can't remember what way around it is but they were they were giving me some sticks to try because i think they were they were trying to get me into a stick you know they were trying to say we've, we've done the forward weight thing we've done the we've done the in the hand thing you know in the, when the balance is in the hand like the peter erskine ride stick for instance anybody that knows it knows this it's basically the opposite of the peter erskine original it's, it's a very in-the-hand weight kind of stick. And uh, the, the tip is, the, the other end is very, very, not very light, but it's very, it feels flighty to me, you know. And 
and uh, it's all coming from it's all coming from the hand and, and I, I I just have to have the opposite thing I've got to throw it in and then deal with the consequences you know the consequences of that are either rebound or not depending on whether I'm allowing that to happen or not if I don't allow that to happen like just going flat in or if I'm hitting something and with the fingers closed I'm creating a very wide sound uh, with bottom end probably quite ugly um, then I can do that if I'm if I want it to bounce so that's right hand only I mean, you know, I want, if I'm if I'm talking about sustain or just length of buzz or length of specific, that's a five and a one. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, one, or whatever you want to count it. You know, triplets, doubles. You know, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. You know, all that kind of stuff. It requires for me. I need a certain amount of energy you know to make that happen people make it happen in other ways and this is the thing to realize we don't all play the same and we shouldn't there ain't one answer you know people social media is full of these people showing how they play this is how i play and, and it's like the message always feels to me like this is the way it should be played and the vibe is really, this is how I do something. Do you feel inspired? That's how we should view all that stuff. It, regardless of why somebody's sharing it, I think, you know, as the, you, you know, somebody can share something in a certain way. I'm sharing this thing and it's got this vibe. Oh, I'm trying to say this, but the receiver can just receive that information and, and do with it what they choose. They don't have to play that play to that um, underlying vibe whatever it is you know I tend to get inspired by everything um, because I just always like the sound like I said before many times I always like the sound of other people pretty much you know pretty much anybody that can play well to be honest with you in, in sort of any style of music and then when people talk about technique, they either talk about technique in a way where it's the way I think about it, so I just feel, that's oh, beautiful. There's somebody else in the world that, that sees the world similar to me. Cool. That's great. Or they, uh, they, it's a completely different angle, and that's either something that's inspirational in, in relation to the information or just inspirational to see somebody doing something that's really good, you know. Um, even if someone's saying, this is how you should do it, I, I tend to be generally suspicious of that. Um, just because every pair of sticks and everybody's hands and everybody's brains and everyone's emotional systems are different, you know. So I think, you know, the best we can do is to is to be open-minded and, and try and understand as much as we can and make our own decisions about how we want to do what we do, you know. But, you know, it's that thing of studying. Why do people study? Well, people study to hopefully get a lot of information, you know, like to learn how to practice, to learn how to work with other people, to learn about how to share information with other people, you know, not necessarily to become something that sounds like those people that they're either studying with or around. It should be the opposite, in my view. All of my students sound different. So I think as a job of, as, a, as an attitude towards that thing, I think I hopefully that's what I'm trying to instill, you know. And I think I do a pretty good job of it. Um, so these are good, these. Oh yeah. Kind of interesting. Again, they're, they're all they're all got different personalities. 
Yeah, it's the same stick, same design. Every single pair, every single pair is different. They're all telling a different story. Such a beautiful thing, you know. They've all been hit in different ways, impacted against the instrument in different ways. <clears throat> they all tell a different story. single strike my hands get slightly cold freezing cold but something about the this pair they're not quite not quite the same pitch anymore can you hear that that one's slightly higher slightly lower My view on the pitch thing <laughs> is that if I play the sticks with traditional grip anyway, I'm unmatching everything about the vibe of it, you know, because I'm not playing with a match grip, so it's an unmatched sound. But I tend to think I don't really understand anything about these things, so somebody wiser and more clever will probably tell me no that's you're missing the point Dave but another thing is that you know if, when you change the sticks and you go and hit the cymbal you should be it should be the same pitch and it should make the same sound the problem for me is you know as soon as you start playing a pair of sticks and they're they're performing very different functions hand to hand as in not hand to hand sticking as in what the hands are doing you know, if I'm playing right, ting, 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 and comping down here, and I'm playing rim shots and stuff, you know, but like that kind of thing, you know, whatever it is, and I'm shouldering the stick into the cymbal and doing a bit of shenanigans there, a bit of the vibe, then the sticks are, they're just immediately starting to tell a different story to each other, aren't they, you know? The st each stick is... Is, is because of the way I'm using the stick is starting to have its own personality. And um, yeah, it's, I, can, I can remember sticks I've owned and their journey, really special ones. I remember them all, you know, and uh, and I have these conversations with lots of my students and they all have the same experiences and they're much younger than me, you know, they're, you know, they're in the late teens or early 20s, most of them, some are a little bit older. And they all have the same experience. There's a pair of sticks that were really had a vibe, you know, and we're all waiting for that next pair to come along. And... Um, yeah, that pair I was just playing a minute ago before these had something about them. Nice. I'm going to have a play on the kit with those tomorrow. These are nice as well. These feel very different, lighter. Oh, that's really beautiful, that. That's a really nice one. That's, the tip on that was really nice. And they're... Um, pretty well pitched matched still actually and the tips this tip is is had a harder life than the other one so i suspect yeah and this so yeah funny this this tip feels more warm but it's a left hand stick because it's got more cross stick um damage in the wood um so it's 
yeah, it's kind of less pleasant to hold actually. Um, but the tip on the other side came back really nice. This is the last one now. I've got some more, but if I go and try and find them, I'll have to turn this off for a second, which I may go and do actually, but we'll see how we get on. <clears throat> I'd like to get this done this evening because uh, 10 to seven now, I'm getting hungry soon, as they say. I always like that expression, talking in the future. I'm gonna be hungry soon. I'm gonna be thirsty soon. Yeah. So anyway, I kind of uh, feel like I've lost my lost my thread of thought. Whilst I was just these, these sticks have been quite interesting. So yeah, you know, um, have a think about those sticks. Those uh, those those sticks that you remember well, the ones that you know as we as we a lot of the jazzers joke that the wore down to an to an arrow tip. You know. I've had I've had a couple of pairs of sticks like that. They just they just wear and wear and wear. The the tips don't split. They just wear with your playing, and it's such a beautiful thing because you know the the the, the wear is from is from hitting the hitting the instrument. It's not from uh, a damage from hitting the instrument. I remember a good friend of mine, great drummer Errol Roberts, who uh, he's, uh, lives here in Manchester. Um, and he's, you know, me and Errol talk about cymbals and stuff like that, and drums and things, and playing and music and everything. He's a great guy, really interesting guy. I should get him on here, actually. But the problem with Errol is, and I, I know, you know, I love him, and if he's listening to this, which he inevitably won't be because he doesn't know anything about it, but if he, he, he really, really can talk. So if I did a podcast with Errol and uh, Elliot Henshaw will know exactly what I'm talking about with this, the podcast will be about 45 days long. And, uh, and it'll be one question. And uh, at the end of that question, there'll inevitably be another answer to the question. No. Anyway, um, he said an amazing thing to me years and years ago. Uh, he said, every time you hit the cymbal, a ride cymbal, especially like a jazzy, you know, he says, you're hammering it. With the stick. Very, 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 very subtly hammering it. But you are hammering it because you're hitting the metal. I mean, you're hitting it with a piece of wood, which is a much softer thing. You know, so there's that idea in engineering, isn't there, where you, um, in engineering, somebody will design something to a certain tolerance. So if you uh, were using something that was below that tolerance as in hardness of of a uh, of material then the thing that will come off worse is the thing that's um, being you know worked against the the engineered uh, material and so it's like the aircraft engineering thing you know like the, the nuts and bolts on airplanes are, are are like five times stronger than the ones that you buy at B and Q to to build your um to build your or your IKEA whatever, and because they're sort of they're they're made to be super strong because they have to be you know but you, then you need special tools if you're gonna if you're gonna try and drill through one you've got absolutely no chance because the drill bit will never be as hard and as sharp as the integral structure of the nut or bolt, you know, or whatever else, because it's been engineered in a way where it's super fucking hard steel, you know. So it's that kind of idea of um, of the, the drumstick will, you know, I mean, I know people have split cymbals because you know, they've hit them too hard and what have you, but is that, that thing of, you know, as you hit the cymbal with the tip of the stick, it will have a, a very small influence upon the the surface and the, the metal you're hitting. And if you're, you know, every gig, I don't know if anybody's ever done an analysis, and it depends on the kind of music, obviously. If you're playing blast beats and doing a long two-hour gig and you're playing like... Everything's like... That kind of music where it's just demi-semi-quavers forever. Then... You could probably play 500,000 hits on a gig. You know, I don't know. I have no idea what I'm talking about, to be honest with you. I, I could be any idea. It's just like a thing where people say, 
Um, these big, there was a competition once in Stockport. How many bricks make the big viaduct, the Stockport railway viaduct? It's like, absolutely no idea. It's like a million, 10 million, 50 million. I just, I, you know. So there was a you know, thing of people trying to guess and I, I just can't even entertain just would have absolutely no idea you know it's just and again it's that same thing of how many hits would would one uh, do on a gig you know absolutely god knows you know well he probably doesn't care but um you know so but as you're hitting the symbol if you're just playing like time you know just or playing like a sort of groove thing or something and every time obviously every time you crash the symbol um you know, it, it it definitely has an influence. I've I've definitely heard uh, in the, in uh, they change in relation to the length of of um, sustain that the symbol has. They dry they dry out. I think you know, um, especially hand hammered symbols. You know, higher end symbols they they dry out with age, and if they're crashed a lot, they definitely do. I've had some of the traditional uh, Istanbul crashes, particularly the thin ones and the paper thin ones. They all dry out over time. They 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 just they lose a little bit of that kind of um, sustain or whatever you want to think. So some people would see that as a positive because they're losing something that they rather they didn't have in the sound. And other people would see it as a negative because they're losing something which they want in the sound. You know, um, with crashes for me, I find it a little bit of a negative. I I tend to choose a crash. Um, that's pretty peachy, you know. It's kind of on the money when it with how it's been made, you know, with its creation. So I don't want it to change. Um, ride symbols I see quite differently. I, 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 my, my hope with a ride symbol is it is it's going to mature like a fine wine, and and that's going to be through hitting it, you know, through the, hitting it with the tip of the stick and this kind of this very minimal, very very subliminal hammering that Errol was talking about, or hitting it with the shaft of the stick, with the shank and crashing it, you know, and then, and then a, a changing or affecting or influencing the memory of the metal, you know. Because um, they go back to the shape, they always do because of the memory in the metal, the way they're made. And, and you can talk to a, a symbol, <coughs> you know, talk to a symbol um, creator or whatever um, about about sort of that about how that works I don't, I don't really understand how that works but um but yeah if if you're um sorry the phone was ringing mr mark sanders actually fantastic drummer um, um i'm not sure what he's ringing me about sunday evening so it might be a work related thing which is likely to be um hopefully everything's okay so uh, but yeah but the the uh, i've talked to a couple of symbol makers about this memory in the metal thing, I I don't really understand it to be honest with you. But I but I I understand it from a, a perspective of uh, I can hear what happens. Like if you take quite a thin symbol, ride symbol, and many you've probably done this, but if you haven't done this, try it. And it was Danny Ward, a great, a great drummer who lives in Manchester, showed me this um, years and years ago. There was a symbol that we were playing in in Johnny Roadhouse, the shop. There's about five or six of us there, and it was this uh, Bill Stewart, one of those um, I can't remember the name of them, Zildjian uh, hybrid. I don't know what they're called. One of those rides that Bill Stewart endorsed, you know, and it's got a quite a specific sound. And we were playing it. And it wasn't, it didn't sound that great. It was a bit washy, you know. Uh, it had that click clacky sound, but it was a bit. And Danny, because those symbols, if you know what they look like, they've got, they've got quite a, they, they really kind of hang quite, um, they've got quite a, a wide, lopy kind of, they're not a flat symbol. They're, they're, they're more kind of, um, I'm not trying to think of what the word is, domey, you know. And Danny sort of bent it. He bent it over on itself both ways a few times, put it back on the cymbal stand and played it, and it sounded drier, you know. And he said, 
it'll go back it'll just go back to how it sounded but it, if you're on a gig you know and you're like doing your editing that's the thing to do is get the cymbal off the stand bend it a bit put it back it'll go back to the same shape the place it won't but you can't bend it because the memory's in the metal but and that was when i first heard that sort of term memory in the metal and then he said but it'll dry it out and it definitely dried it out it was less wash and then uh about an hour later we played it again and it had gone it was halfway between where it was and where it ended up weird um and i know the person that bought that symbol and he actually um it was very much suited his sound and over time it dried out and uh my jazz special edition 21 I bought that symbol in 2010 before doing uh, like a 30-odd gig tour. And um, on in that set, we played a tune um, called um, Silent Boulevard, one of Tom McRae's songs. And, and Tom was going for a specific production thing. I, I probably mentioned this before, but the thing, the, the journey of that symbol on the tour was it started out sounding one way and permanently ended up sounding the way I wanted it to sound when I bought it. And I kind of I thought it was going to end up, you know, coming around to sounding that way. It sounded to me like it had the potential to, 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 to come, just dry up a little bit. And then I've had this amazing relationship with that symbol where I've realised when I'm playing well, when I'm not playing well, I can and can't find its sound. When I'm playing well and my hands are working well, I can find something in that symbol which which is... Um, it's not available to everybody. That's all I'm saying, you know. It's very, very interesting. Um, and it's... Uh, yeah, it's that's a, that's a journey for me. Um, of hand technique and about how I'm holding the stick and about how I'm getting the sound out of the cymbal, you know. And, um, yeah, it's been preoccupying me. It's been quite a profound thing, you know, for the last... I've been really kind of engaging in that uh, thing for, for about the last 12 months, you know. Especially since... Um, well, last six months since getting the earplugs out and starting playing again, realizing that I was not taking care of my sound when I was practicing in here, you know. Uh, so it's been um, very interesting. But it, to be honest with you, thinking back, it's been an ob an obsession for for a long time. So uh, anyway, so I think I've, I've finished the drumstick audit, and I think I'm actually ready for some tea soon. And um, I'll probably give Mark a ring because he's rung me about something. Um, so I'm going to call it a day there. Oh, it's about an hour. That's good. Hopefully that wasn't too boring or weird. Um, a bit like the last one, which was this um, about sound again, but in, in different in a different context. And, and, and I had this sort of DIY element. Again, this was a different kind of DIY element. element but uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine... Ten. Ten pairs of sticks. That's good. So I've got a load of sticks now to deal with um, that are all, and one that's going in the greenhouse. And it was funny because there's an odd, it was an odd stick as well. So I fear that its friend, its its former partner in crime, is um, either got broken or is, an, is, in, is already in the greenhouse, you know. Um... Yeah, I wonder how often you break sticks, people. Um, it's very rare for me. <clears throat> very, very rare that I'll snap a stick. It's not happened for a long, long time. And the last time it happened was when I had some Vic Firth, Peter Erskine originals. And in my view, they, were, they had a design flaw. The wood was very strange. I could snap them with my bare hands. The wood was very bendy weirdly flexible very strangely lacquered it was and I, I remember on a gig just in front of a one of my students was watching and I, and I said to her I said look these sticks are weird and I just I just basically bent them and they snapped 
And she was like, oh, my God. I was like, no, it's not, it's not a strength thing. There's, there's something wrong with these sticks. And I gave her the other stick, and she was like, oh, yeah. And they were, like, bending. So I wrote to Vic Firth, and they were very rude with their um, response. You know, they were, they were very patronising. Um, they, were, they were basically not admitting any form of... Um, of issue with the production of their stick. And it's like, listen, I've played this stick since it first came out in the late 80s. I play the drums pretty well, <clears throat> pretty experienced. I know the stick. They're not right, so... I'm telling you they're not right. I'm not telling you because I've got nothing better to do. I really genuinely do have better things to do. One of them is playing the drums with the sticks that I bought and paid money for that um, I was kind of hoping were going to be, um, you know, they were going to be um, worth the £13.99 or whatever they cost me at the time. Um, yeah, so, you know, really, really don't want to be even writing this email and sitting down and, and actually sending this email. The whole thing is wasting time that I don't want to take doing this thing. So why would you think I'd want to do this other than report a serious problem to you? You know, because I actually care about this product because it's, you know, very close to the integral part of all of my playing, you know. But no. So there you go. That's what that's what big corporations and companies are a bit like. You know, it's funny, isn't it? Because you'd think that a company like that would be who I held old in very high regard. By the way, I'm not so anyway. You know, but this person, whoever this, because per it's a person, it's not a company. It's a person. This is what happens. It is. I don't think it's. Re this is for me isn't representing the values of the company. It's representing how somebody feels on a Tuesday morning when they maybe come to work and they've, um, you know. Someone's whatever they just responded to something. Maybe they just didn't like the way I worded things. I don't know. I just basically said there's something wrong with these sticks. The weird design flaw. I can snap them with both hands. They feel like plastic. The lacquer is they're over lacquered. They don't feel like the normal stick. And they have changed over time because when they used to have the blue writing, I don't know if any of you remember when Vic Firth had the blue writing. They were the they were beautiful sticks. The the blue writing Peter Erskine originals. Are, can still see that colour and they were something about them was something very very beautiful they just had and that was like the original stick and then they came to this black writing thing and they slightly changed the lacquer and stuff and they were all right and they go in and out of being over under lacquered in my opinion uh, you know that's fine but this particular batch were weird there was something weird about the wood so Anyway, I'm not going to go on anymore because it's all very boring and uh, I'm now actually quite hungry. So um, thanks for listening and I'll be back very, very soon. So bye for now. <laughs>